This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Before jumping into this week's story, I want to remind you about the Notorious Bakersfield Friday the 13th tour. The Friday the 13th tour will be available for purchase starting May 6th and run through May 15th. It will only be available those 10 days. This self-paced audio driving tour will take you to 13 historical crime scene locations in East and Northeast Bakersfield. The points of interest on this tour are entirely different than the Halloween tour. If you're interested in taking this tour, keep an eye on Notorious Bakersfield's social media pages or email NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. By the time most people turn 74, they've either been retired for years or at least seriously considering retirement. Not the guy you're about to hear about. On February 14, 1975, 74-year-old Al Robbins was on his way to Porterville to perform a magic show at a school assembly. The Bakersfield magician was well known to school children up and down the San Joaquin Valley. As Robbins navigated a curve in the highway, a barrel containing a prop the magician used tipped over in his back seat. With the barrel on its side, Captain slithered out. That's right, the magician's prop was a python named Captain, and Captain was loose in Robin's car. For a while, the snake was content to stay on the floorboard of the back seat, but soon needed room to stretch out, all the way out, all 17 feet 120 pounds. Captain slithered up onto the seat next to Robin's and wedged himself between Robin's neck and the headrest. Realizing he couldn't safely drive all the way to Porterville with a python wrapped around his neck, Robin's pulled his car to the shoulder of the highway. At first, Robbins tried getting Captain into the barrel himself, but the usually docile reptile wasn't in the mood. On the shoulder of the highway, with cars whizzing past, Robbins wrestled the 17-foot snake, trying to stuff it back into the barrel. When this was unsuccessful, Robbins tried flagging down passing cars to help him wrangle the reptile. He was able to get several people to pull over, but as soon as the motorist caught sight of the 17-foot-long python and the other dozen or so snakes and cages in the back seat, they hightailed it back to their vehicles. These good Samaritans were willing to help a stranded elderly motorist with a flat tire, but they were unwilling to wrestle a snake. Robbins was on a schedule 
He had to get to Porterville for the show. He couldn't be late. The next tactic he employed is what made headlines across the country. Robbins jumped back behind the wheel of his car and merged onto the roadway. The posted speed limit was 55 miles per hour. For his plan to work, he had to be going well over the speed limit. So the elderly snake charmer gunned it. The speedometer was at 75 when he caught the attention of California Highway Patrol Officer Velton Lee. Robbins pulled to the shoulder, got out of his car, and met the officer between his car and the officer's car. Robbins explained his predicament to Lee and told him he needed assistance getting Captain back into the barrel. Lee walked up to Robbins' car, peered in, saw Captain slithering around the inside, and told Robbins, quote, not a chance. Officer Lee took his ticket book out and wrote Robbins a citation for going 20 miles over the speed limit and left the elderly man on the shoulder of the highway. Al the Snake Man Robbins eventually made it to Burton Elementary School in Porterville that day. When he was done with his performance, the magician went straight to the municipal court in Porterville to see what he could do about the speeding ticket. When Robbins was able to plead his case before a judge, he opened with, quote, Your Honor, this is a story you've never heard before. After Robbins told the judge his side of the story, he put on a snake show in the courthouse corridor. The judge dismissed the citation. After that story ran in newspapers across the country, Al Robbins was no longer famous with Bakersfield school children. He was famous nationwide. This is Al Robbins, the Snake Man. Albert Christie Robbins, or Al Robbins, or the Snake Man, was born in New Jersey on Christmas Day, 1901. After graduating from high school, he moved to New York City, where he studied herpetology. While he was taking these specialized classes, he became the understudy for the famed magician, the Great Ducrot. When the Great Ducrot was unable to perform, Robin stepped in and proved himself more than capable of replacing the, the ailing magician. By this time, Robbins was still in his early 20s. While most magicians were content with pulling rabbits out of hats, Robbins wasn't most magicians. His claim to fame was incorporating snakes and other reptiles into his magic acts. His signature illusion was pulling a live rattlesnake out of a flaming pan. Robbins performed his vaudeville magic shows in nightclubs up and down the eastern seaboard. When Prohibition came to be, he adapted and moved his act to the stages of speakeasies. Robbins was also an accomplished violinist and played in a jazz band. Sometimes he pulled double duty, playing violin with the band, then entertaining the audience with a magic show. Somewhere in that time period, he got married and had a daughter. 
But that marriage ended after 25 years, and he moved west to Las Vegas. After moving to Vegas, he tried his hand at marriage again, this time to a young lady named Louise, who happened to be his assistant. It's funny how those things work out. Robbins performed his magic and illusion tricks on the Las Vegas Strip for a year before the couple decided to move to San Diego. In 1948, while driving from Vegas to San Diego, Robbins and Louise stopped in Barstow for dinner. Louise pulled out a map to verify their route when she noticed Bakersfield. She told her husband she had a high school friend living in Bakersfield and went to a payphone to call that friend. And the friend invited the couple to come visit her and her husband in Bakersfield. And they were welcome to stay at their house as long as they wanted. Once in Bakersfield, the couple liked it so well, Robbins decided to look for a job. He was hired as Peacock Dairy's director of public relations and later became advertising director. As advertising director, Robbins made a deal with Bakersfield area schools. If they'd buy his milk, cottage cheese, and ice cream products, he'd throw in a magic show for the students. After five years at Peacock Dairy, Golden Trust Bakery hired Robbins. He worked there until it went out of business in 1969. Being unemployed allowed the magician to focus on his true passion, performing, and he never looked back. Later in life, Robbins claimed to have performed at every school in Kern County at least 10 times. He was not only in demand by the schools, but by private companies, civic organizations, and clubs. Robbins was more than a magician and performer. He was an educator. He went to schools, captured students' attention with sleight-of-hand tricks, while at the same time educating them about reptiles. Working with a local veterinarian, Robbins pioneered a procedure that removes a snake's poisonous venom called a venomductomy. He was also on call for Bakersfield hospitals. If a patient came to an emergency room with a snake bite, doctors would call in Robbins to identify the type of snake bite the patient suffered. Robbins once mailed his grandson a box with live lizards written on it. When his grandson opened the box, to his surprise, the box contained a live rattlesnake that bit his grandson. No worries, Robbins had performed the venomductomy on the snake, so it wasn't poisonous. Grandpa Al thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Getting that speeding ticket in 1975 wasn't Robin's only brush with the law. He was a hardened criminal, didn't you know? In 1985, agents with the California Fish and Game Department spent six months investigating the 84-year-old. During their investigation, agents determined Robbins was keeping poisonous snakes and reptiles without the necessary permits. The department also charged Robbins with selling undercover agents snakes. He was arrested but released, promising to appear at a later court date. Public outrage was high. 
Many Bakersfield citizens voiced their support for the elderly Robbins. A judge later dismissed the charges after Robbins obtained the necessary permits. In honor of his 90th birthday in 1991, Bakersfield celebrated not a single day, but an entire week. Bakersfield Mayor Clarence Metters proclaimed December 22nd to 28th Al Robbins Week. By the mid-1990s, Robbins' health began deteriorating. He suffered an aneurysm, quadruple heart bypass surgery, and a stroke. In 1996, through shrewd investments, Al Robbins donated $300,000 to the California Living Museum. This donation enabled Calm to remodel and expand its reptile house. The Snake Man entertained and educated Kern County students for almost five decades. Multiple generations, parents who witnessed Robin's performances as children, later had children and grandchildren who also had the privilege of seeing Robbins perform. On June 1st, 2000, seven months shy of his 100th birthday, Albert Christie Robbins, the snake man, died. He was survived by his daughter, a grandson, and a great-grandson. While researching Al Robbins, I came across a website that profiles magicians. This website claimed Robbins was the first magician to perform on TV. I question this claim. I, I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure I've read every article the Bakersfield, California has ever published about Robbins. And there's never been anything in those articles about him being the first magician to perform on TV. If that were true, I'm sure it would have been in those articles. So that's why I question it. I'm not, you know, I don't have anything to say that it, he wasn't, but I think he would have brought it up in those interviews. Resources used to research the story, the Los Angeles Times and the Bakersfield, California. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week.